We're going to continue to talk about practical religion. If you're counting, this is lesson eight, I think. If you're not counting, don't worry about it. Praise God. Amen. I'm just so excited to be a part of the family of God today. I'm just, I don't know what it is. I'm just, you know, to be on this side of the fence as a, you know, if you want to look at it that way and look on the other side of the fence and see how I used to live. I don't understand how people stay on that side of the fence. I don't get it. But how they know, how how are they going to know to come over on this side of the fence? They got to see something that, yeah, like that horse in that field. He don't want to, the grass in that field he's in inside that fence, does he? You ever, anybody ever seen a horse trying to reach through the fence to get the grass on the other side of the fence that he can't get to? And he'll push his neck through that barbed wire fence, and who knows what he's doing to his skin, but he's he's going to do whatever he's got to do to get that grass on the other side because it's just got to be sweeter than this grass on this side, right? Have you ever seen that? It's it's pretty amazing. People are like that. We just got to, I'm hoping that I'm the right kind of bait, I guess. Right? Right? Who wants to be the, I want to be the right kind of bait. I want to be the right kind of individual that, that walks so close to the Lord that I don't have to wear a sign on my back that says, I'm a Christian. Don't you want to come follow me? I don't. I want the sign on my back to be that they just feel something. I don't know what it is about you, but can you tell me why you're different? You know, I want that. I want it to just like like a light bulb glowing. Amen. James chapter one, verse twenty six and twenty seven, our key verse for this series says this. If any man among you seem be to be religious, y'all could probably quote this by now, right? And bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless widows in their affliction and to keep him unspotted, himself unspotted from the world. I like what it says right there. Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father. It's before God and the Father. That's who it's that's who it's most important to. There's, you're going to have critics. You're going to have people that are going to be looking at your life and they don't think you're living right. They don't think you're doing it just the right way. But the one that we're really trying to please is him. Before God and the Father. Right? That's the one we that's the one we got to make sure that that is pleased with our life. Amen. That's why the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If if he sees you doing that, you don't have to seek for rewards. They're going to come. If you're just busy seeking the Lord and seeking his will, all this other stuff he says is going to be added unto you. You're not even going to be thinking about it, and it's just going to come in your life. And you're going to think, why am I getting that? Why is this happening? Why am I getting all these blessings? Why am I healthy and somebody else isn't? Anyway, part two, we're going to jump into part two here today, amen, which is going to kind of jump back into James chapter one again, (laughs) 
Praise God. We're going to jump down to James chapter 1, verse 22 through 24. James 1, 22 through 24 says, But be ye doers, very familiar scripture, you can probably quote this, of the word. Let's all read this together out loud as a body, as a family today, okay? Everybody there? That's up on the screen if you're not. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. That almost seems kind of silly, doesn't it? You look in the mirror and you walk away and two minutes later you forget what you look like. That doesn't even sound like real, does it? But that's what he's likening this whole concept of hearing it and not doing it. Right? Like, I heard what you said. That's about as far as it went, right? I heard what you said. So we're talking about careless and forgetful hearing. Now this letter, this this book of James that we're reading from, we call it the book of James, and it's called the epistle of James, but really it was a letter that Paul James was, from what I've been reading and studying, James was... One of those, he was the um, the half-brother of Jesus. And so he was around when Jesus was teaching the disciples. You don't hear him mention much, but I'm sure he, he was around. And so he heard all this stuff. He knew the, the precepts and the way Jesus did his ministry. And he observed as his half-brother. Yeah, how he had these 12 guys, but then he went about doing good to anybody he could find, especially to those that were less fortunate and the sick and the lame and and all you know the lepers and the blind people and so he observed all this being his half brother and so when when the church was born on the day of pentecost he was i'm sure he was there i'm sure he received the holy ghost like everybody else and so he became what in many places the bible called a fellow laborer he wasn't in some hierarchical position he was he was just a fellow laborer and he was from what i'm gathering he was he was in prison somewhere and he was about to lose his life and so this was like his treatise like his last letter of encouragement to the people of god that were in jerusalem because around the time from what i'm gathering and i'm not a, a bible scholar but from what i'm gathering and studying the the people in jerusalem the jews especially the converts to Christianity, had been scattered abroad from persecution. And so the people that he had been reaching and talking and working with every day, and don't you know that God just kind of worked that out? He caused the church to be persecuted. He allowed it for the specific purpose of scattering the church because they were kind of holding up in one place. He's like, I don't want it to just be in Jerusalem. What does that scripture say? In Jerusalem, 
Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's where they went. So all these people, they went to Galatia, they went everywhere. To places where they were going to suffer more persecution. But that didn't stop them. Because God wanted this message to be preached unto all the world. Right? And so people had to hear it. And if, if there wasn't people from that church going other places, how were those people in those other places going to hear this gospel? Right? I'm kind of building a foundation here. So, so James was about to be martyred, and so he was writing this treatise, and he was just encouraging his fellow laborers. There's many places in the Bible where it talks about the people of God being called fellow laborers in 1 Corinthians 3.9. You don't have to put it up there, but it says we are laborers together with God. That's what Paul says. We're laborers together with God. We're all trying to, to, to work toward the same end here. To, to grow the kingdom of God, right? And so we have to make up our mind that every day... We're going to submit ourselves to God's will, God's plan, and God's purpose. You mean that's not automatic? Just because you have the Holy Ghost? Not in my life it isn't. Because there's times I want my own way. My own will. I want it to be my way, Wayne. I don't want it. Uh, God's way is not comfortable for me. I, I'd rather it be done my way if it's okay. But it's not. So I have to purpose every day that's... To say those words out loud to myself, Father, just like Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Because Jesus wanted out of that deal, didn't he? What, why, did, why did they record him saying that? He was still flesh. He wanted another way out. Father, if, if, this, if there's any way this cup could pass for me, please. If there's another way that we can do this. I'm open for ideas. That's what Jesus was saying. And all he got back from the Father was what? Crickets. Nothing. So when he got no answer back, that was like God saying, not answering you. And so Jesus, knowing who he was and why he was here, said, okay. Nevertheless, not my will, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Whatever I got to suffer, I know it's for a reason, for the souls. That, and that's what he was doing. So we have to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ, right? Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentaries regarding James 126 says this, don't just do it, but be a systematic doer of it. Systematic. It's got to be every day. Systematic. It's not going to be automatic. You got a purpose. I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. We sing that song. Nobody's making me do this. This is how I choose to live. You decide for you and I'll decide for me. We made a decision when we stood at this altar and repented and God filled us with the Holy Ghost. We made a decision. Is there any point in time where we can go back on our and renege on our promise and our decision? Is it possible to, for you to, to, to go back? You better go read about Demas. <laughs> Demas was one of the faithful and 
Paul wrote about him and said, having loved this present world. He wasn't giving up on Demas, but he was just pointing out, hey, people can turn from this. They, they can get their focus on the wrong thing and get and get pulled away if you're not careful. So we got to stay determined, stay focused. That's what this scripture is saying. That's what he was encouraging. He wasn't he wasn't there preaching to them from the pulpit. He was writing them a letter. You know, chapters didn't come to the Bible until 1200 and something. And verses didn't come until 1500 and something. So all this was was just prose. It was just a letter. It was a long letter, but it was a letter. And so he wrote this letter. He was he knew he was coming to the end of his life. So he wanted them to know how important it was to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He needed to know that that he was leaving them with something because he was out of the picture. And he had that he knew that work was being left to the hands of other people. So he was doing all that he could. What's this got to do with hearing? It has a lot to do with hearing. Because remember I say in Jesus, James was the half-brother of Jesus. So this goes all the way back to the day of Pentecost. And as I've already said, he wasn't commanding anything. It was a treatise. It was him trying to encourage the people of God. You're going to have to carry this work on. And I'm just reminding you of some things because you're going to have to remind some new converts of these things. That it's important to hear what the Spirit says. It's important. Hearing is important, but doing is even more important. Right? You can spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars and go get a college degree somewhere and listen to a bunch of instructors and professors and take a bunch of notes and take a bunch of tests and write a bunch of papers, but if you don't take what you learned and use it, you've just wasted four years of your life and a bunch of people's time and, and your parents' money if they're paying for it, right? If you don't do anything with that. You've heard a lot of good information. You've taken a lot of stuff in, but if you don't, if you don't put it to use, it's just useless information. You've wasted your time. I don't want to get into this thing and waste my time. God don't want you to waste his time. Soul, there's souls that are, that are out there waiting. We don't want to waste God's time, do we? Amen? And so this guy, James, he was, he was not this, like I said, hierarchical leader. He was one of them. And even in the beginning of the book of James, the very first verse, he says this, James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. That sounds like a letter to me. Hey, folks, it's James. I'm here in prison. I know they're going to kill me. So I'm trying to send you this. This letter trying to remind you of some things to help you, encourage you that you got to carry on the work. And that word servant is the Greek word doulos. It says a slave, one who is per, is in, in a permanent relation of servitude to another. His will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. 
generally one serving bound to serve in bondage. Wow. <laughs> Does that sound like something you want to do? I'm not getting many. Servitude. Servitude. Just think about that word. Just think about the, the butler or the the gardener or, you know, if you want to try to think about a servant, you don't, you just come to work and you do what you're told. You don't have a say. Servitude to one another, his will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. Why is that important to hearing? Because if God's directing, if you're hearing what God is saying, you need to be ready to do whatever he says with this kind of an attitude. That's why he called himself a servant. Who else called themselves a servant in the New Testament? All of them. Paul, Peter, he, they, they, all, they use the terminology a lot, fellow laborers, laborers together with God. What were they saying? From the day of Pentecost, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41 to 47, 42 to 47. Says this, and they continued, who were they? It was all those people that day, 3,120, give or take. Because the Bible says there were about 120 in the upper room. Right? So there was 3,000 added to the church that day. Right? And so that's who this is talking about. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And that, that doctrine was the teachings that they received and heard. There's that word, heard. That's what we're talking about, hearing, right? You've got to be careful how you hear. One, one place in the Bible says, be careful how you hear. So there's, there's a right way and a wrong way how to hear, right? Or you can hear with the wrong attitude. Yeah, whatever, right? Or you can hear with the attitude of, I want to know more. Wow, that's, that's interesting. That's, that, you know, that's revelation. Can I, I want to understand that. Okay, or, yeah, okay, I hear you. Yeah. Right? So how we hear is as important as just hearing it before we even get to the doing part. So anyway, it says in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Those, those apostles were those sent ones. That's what that word apostle means, the sent ones. They were sent to do a job. And all believed together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They were getting together and having meals just like the Last Supper. And they were talking about the things of God over a meal. And they were spreading the gospel that way. They were inviting their friends over for a meal. And they were talking about this great and awesome experience they just had. And all this great teaching they just heard. 
And it says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Why were they having favor with all the people? Because the, all the people that were coming to their little suppers and dinners were going, oh, y'all, you were one of those ones, weren't you, that received the Holy Ghost the other day, right? Oh, man, I want to know about that. Tell me about it so I can hear what the disciples, oh, well, let me tell you what, this is what the disciples preached. They're sitting around the dinner table. You know, and these guys, you know, like James' case, they had been with Jesus. They had been with him. And so they were sharing what they knew. They weren't reading it out of a book. They weren't reading it off of a scroll. Most of them couldn't read. So it was word of mouth. And so these new converts had to hear. And that's why James is saying this is, James is just talking to the church that's been multiplying and just adding and just spreading out and going everywhere. And in one place, you know, the, that one uh, religious leader said, these are the ones that are turning the world upside down with their gospel. It's his gospel. How were they turning the world upside down? Talking to their friends, talking to their neighbors, talking to somebody. People were hearing, hearing what God did in the lives of these people. You know, and the Bible talks about four different kinds of hearers, doesn't it? We're not going to go there and read it, but it's in Luke 8, 11 through 15. It talks about those four kinds of soil or four kinds of hearers. Because if you read that scripture on each each time it talks about the different kind of soil, he says, when they heard the word, when they heard the word. So it's it's all in how you hear. So it's all through the, I guess if you want to say it this way, it's all through the 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 filter of how you hear. What what is it, what is the information? What's it being filtered through? Are you filtering it out? You know, there was the ones that 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 it hung around for a while, but then the cares of this world and this life came and, and the birds came and ate it and all. But then there was the ones that heard it and received it and, and let it, they let it land there and sit and, and they let it germinate and become something. And so there was four kinds of hearers on the day of Pentecost, right? Because the Bible said there was a multitude. Some, everybody heard the same message. And I just believe Peter was hearing it and saying it as God was giving it to him because I just don't think Peter, he, he didn't bring his iPad that day. He didn't. He didn't have notes. He didn't even know he was going to do that. <laughs> it just They were all just spilling out of this room. And when the critics started getting loud, he, had, he just felt in the Holy Ghost to just stand up and say, oh, wait a minute. Everybody listen to me. This is not these are not drunk as you suppose. And he just started flowing in the Holy Ghost and he just started talking. He he was probably standing there thinking, Where's this coming from? But it was it was an impactful message. It had to be from God because three thousand people said, Whoa, men and brethren, what I heard has landed somewhere inside of me and it has pricked my heart. What do I do? 
How, how can I get what, whatever it is I, I got to do, I'll do it. But you just got to tell me, how, what must I do to be saved? And what did he do? <laughs> tell them. And what did they do? They did it. They didn't just talk about doing it. And they didn't just do it and say, okay, there, I got that. I'll stick my Holy Ghost in my pocket and walk on, you know. They didn't do that. We just read. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the teaching, the things that they'd heard. They weren't satisfied with just that. They wanted to know more. And they couldn't wait to tell people. Right? Is this all right this morning? And so James was James knew that the, that whole principle of the four kinds of hearers was still in place. Even today that principle still exists, doesn't it? There's there's people that hear it. We see them come in here, we see them leave. They never come back. They heard it. Not, it's not our problem if they don't come back, right? I mean, I don't mean to if that sounds bad, but they had the opportunity to hear the gospel just like you did, just like I did. And they had the opportunity to respond however they chose to respond, right? That's their decision. You made your decision. You made your choice. Those people on the day of Pentecost made their decision and packed their suitcases and went back home. Now, I don't know if maybe down the road somewhere they had second thoughts. Because I remember, I might have told this story before, I remember a guy, somebody told a story in the church in Okinawa about a guy that came there that was an Air Force officer, and he got, somebody was teaching him a Bible study, I think it was Brother Plummer, was teaching him a Bible study, he never came to church, he never got the Holy Ghost, he never got baptized, but they kept meeting together, and pretty soon it came time for that guy to leave. And it's just, you know, as the person teaching the Bible study... <laughs> You really wanted them to get baptized before they left the island. You really wanted them to get the Holy Ghost, and it just didn't happen. It, it probably was a little bit of a discouragement. Like, this one's getting away, right? That's an awesome, awful feeling. But he didn't get away. Something was planted in that man, and he got stationed back in the States somewhere, California or someplace, and a little while later, he came back, and he couldn't wait to go find Brother Plummer. And he's like, man, thank you for teaching me those Bible studies. Thank you for taking the time out. I went back to the States, and I, the, the first thing, it just seemed like I didn't even, wasn't thinking about it. But the first thing I thought of when I hit the States was, i got to go find a church like that. And he did, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he got baptized in Jesus' name. And he was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you didn't give up on me. So I, I think about that, and I think about these people on the day of Pentecost that walked away. They heard it. Something tells me they heard it, and it stuck. It's because they weren't one of the 3,000 that day. doesn't mean that somewhere down the road, because James said that church scattered abroad, that one of our folks, I remember we, we would be out in the, the north side of the island at Camp Hansen, on Saturdays, handing out tracks, and I remember this one guy saying he walked up to this guy and handed him a track, and the guy looked up at him and said, "How did you know?" He's like, "What do you mean? How did I know? How did I know what?" 
He said, how did you know I was a backslider? He said, I didn't. But God did. You can't hide from God. You can't run from God. He'll send people to find you. Right? I I learned that little lesson from that. It's like, that's cool. You cannot turn away. You can't run. You can't join the military and run away from God. He's going to find you there. Right? And so those people that heard this, it, it never leaves. You never forget what you heard. You might push it down, but it's always going to be there. And God forbid that person ever has to go to a place that was not created for the devil, but for the devil and his angels and live with, because you're going to live, you're going to spend eternity in hell if you don't have this. And to live with the knowledge that you had the chance and you didn't take it. That's going to be worse than any screaming or any fire or anything, in my opinion. To live with the knowledge, and I believe God's going to let you have that. The rest of your eternity, your soul's going to spend in that place knowing you had the opportunity and you passed it up. Because you heard it, you didn't do anything with it. Amen? So, hearing and doing are two things that go together. Amen? And so these were these were a communal people. They were a group of people that they were all working towards the same end. You know, we we just read where they had they had fellowship with one another. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them as everybody had need. Why would you not want to go hang around a group of people like that? Right? He was telling them, don't just be a listening audience. Okay, And I think he was saying that to us today. Don't just be an idol, just a bump on a log in the audience listening and going, yep, that was a good message. Take it to heart. Take it with you. And I know you've probably heard this over and over again, but you've got to take this, what you've heard, and go ask yourself, what do I do with this, God? You you talk to me today, God, what do I do with this? And don't be afraid of, to ask that question because just like Jesus tried to get out of the, the whole cross thing, you know, we, we don't, sometimes I think we don't want to ask God, what do I do with this? Because we don't want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> We're afraid he's going to tell us to su- do something that we don't want to do in our flesh. <laughs> oh, you mean I got to? God, can I do it a different way? Nope. This is how I want you to do it. This is what I'm... <sighs> you think God's going to do that? To ask you to do something outside of what your comfort zone is? He did it to Jesus. And so sometimes we don't want to hear what God has to say. So we got to be willing to sit there and, and leave our shovel at home. Don't bring your shovel. We don't do shovel ministry here. If you take it upon yourself and you receive it, and God, when God's talking to you, when God's telling me stuff, when he's talking to me when I'm driving down that road every every Monday through Friday, I, I'm listening. 
Sometimes I got to pull over because I don't want to mess with my cell phone while I'm driving because I got that little thing that State Farm gave me, and if I mess with my cell phone while I'm driving, it knows. But I want my discount, so don't mess with my discount. <laughs> but, but I'll pull over, and I'll, I'll have, to, I have, to, I have to write it down or note it in my iPad or my phone or something because I want to know. I want to remember that. Because I know I'm going to get to work and I'm going to get busy. And I, and I know I said I was going to write it down, but then I'll forget. And if when I'm hearing from God, I, I got to know, I got to write that down so I can go think about that later when I, have, when I can focus on that. Right? God will talk to you anytime. He really does. He's talking to people right now as I'm speaking. And they're not hearing my voice. You're hearing my voice, but you're, God's talking to you. When this man's standing up here and preaching in a little bit, God's going to be talking to some people. You better be listening. We got to be, you know, we were talking about initiative downstairs. We got to be willing to do, consistently do it. You know, if you'll just do something, if you'll just do what God asks you to do, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it's not what your flesh wants to do, it's amazing what, if you'll just do it. The results that you'll get, you'll go, wow, I'm glad I listened to that, man. That's awesome, God, that you that you told me to do that, and I didn't want to do that, and I, and I did it anyway, and, and the results are awesome. Boy, I'm glad I listened. <laughs> but if we ignore God and ignore what he's telling us, don't you know he'll just go find somebody else? Right? I don't know about you, but I don't want the rocks or the trees or anything else to take my place. I don't. I want. I want to be all that that He wants me to be. That's why I sang that song. I wasn't even going to sing that. I was. God put that in my mind. I haven't sung that song in forever. But I believe God put that in my heart to sing that this morning because that's that's how I feel. I'm redeemed. I'm bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. Right? He gave me this power and authority in me, not just so I can walk around and brag about it. I got to do something with this. These signs shall follow them that believe, right? Not believers follow signs, but signs follow believers. We had to hear it first and believe what this said. We had to move on that. We responded to that. We received the Holy Ghost. It's all about hearing, isn't it? As we step to each level in God, it's all about hearing from God. Additional revelation. As he sees that we can handle more revelation and more things, he's going to reveal those things to us. But we've got to have those ears to hear. That's why Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said that a lot. Why was he saying that? Even to his disciples, he was trying to, he was trying to, push an agenda i guess you could say he was trying to say that it's important how you hear it's important that you're listening to what god is saying because there's you'll you'll also hear what you're saying and then there's that other guy and he'll try to everything he tells you is just totally negative and we'll talk ourselves out of stuff amen Praise God. This semblance, number two. I think I beat that dead horse enough. This semblance of religion accompanied by an unbridled tongue. That word 
Let's read the scripture. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, James 1.26, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Amplified Bible of the same scripture says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, in parentheses, piously observant of external duties of his faith, in parentheses, and does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart. Wow. When you look, when you read it like that, it has a little bit different meaning, doesn't it? This person's religious service is worthless, futile, barren. Who wants all of your effort and your the time that you put into being a Christian and being apostolic? Who wants that to be worthless and deluded? Who wants to to wait and find out that you have you were deluded in your own mind and you were just doing religious things, just exercises like the Jews did in their religious things that they did. That's why the church was so, such an, it just blew the minds of the Jews because they had no temple. They had no no leadership like the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, and they, and they, had, no, and they had none of the things that the Jewish religion had. That's what, that's what blew the minds of the Jews so bad. How can, they, how can they have what they have without all the stuff we got? Jesus said, I came to do away with all of that. He loved those Pharisees. He, he went to the temple all the time. He wanted to try to deliver them from that stuff. He said, I'm doing away with the law. I'm doing away with all this stuff. Don't get hung up on the religious stuff. Who were the ones that Paul had to fight the most? The religious Jews that kept trying to interlope into the church and try to bring all this stuff into the New Testament church. And that's what James was doing. He was telling them, stick to the plan, guys. Stick to the gospel. Don't let these interlopers and all these people come in and and, and all these false prophets and all these, don't let that religion come back in and you know, it eventually did anyway in the 300s. <laughs> it did. You know, because why? Because we started letting our guard down as a church, as a, not us, but the church then started over hundreds of years, they started letting their guard down and getting comfortable. So we got to be careful. Second Timothy 3.5 says, Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Who wants to be guilty of that? No, Nobody? I don't want God to look at my walk and my life before him and say, that's just a form of godliness. Denying the power thereof of who? Of God. So if you have a form of godliness and denying the power of God, then whose power are you advocating? Your own your own human effort, your own human power. And that's how the Jewish religious people did it, and it didn't work after the day of Pentecost. It was done away with, and so we, we got to avoid that. That same scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 5 in the Amplified says, For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, which indicates to me there's also a false religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. 
their conduct, which includes their speech, I added that, belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. Sounds like self-righteousness to me. Does it not? Is that, is that a consensus? Sounds like self-righteousness and not God's righteousness. Because he said, our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. Except we, you know, he put his righteousness on us. He gave us a robe of his righteousness, so we're supposed to wear his righteousness and not our own. Right? That word semblance that we, in that little title there, means an outward appearance or an apparent form of something. I don't want what I'm doing to be having apparent, an appearance that look, kind of looks like Christianity. It, it looks like it, but it might not be it. I don't want that to be said of, of what I have. I want, I want it to be sincere and real. So like I said earlier in, in this morning's lesson, when people look at me, I want them to see I want them to feel when I walk in the room something different just walked in this room. Because we're carrying the Holy Ghost with us. We are carrying the Spirit of God in us. And so, when I mean, it's like a flashlight. It doesn't go off when you walk in the room. It needs to stay on. So, we got to have our light shining. And it said in this scripture, in the Amplified, it said, that their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. That word belies means fails to give a true notion or impression of something. So your profession fails to give a true notion or impression of who you really are. Wow. Just think about that. So as I kind of bring this to a close... This man, James, and all these men that wrote these letters, these letters were letters of encouragement. They weren't condemnatory. They weren't bashing them. They were trying to encourage them and lift them up because, you know, Paul, he went out and started all these churches, and he would leave an elder in charge, and he would leave. And he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't come back around for three, six, nine months a year. And he left the people there to, to build that congregation on their own. And to raise up other people. Because eventually those congregations got big enough, they started splintering off into other smaller congregations as other leaders were raised up. And so these men were writing these letters to encourage the body. Because they they fully trusted the body. They fully trusted these people. They knew they couldn't be there for every little thing. And so they left these churches to, to hammer out their issues on their own. And they were writing these letters to encourage them. I've come, I guess, to encourage you today. We, you can do this. We're fellow laborers. We're like all those people that were invited to go in the harvest field. Some at the beginning of the day, some at the end of the day. He's expecting us to, to do our, share, our fair share, our part. We've heard it. Let's do it. Amen? Praise God. Lord, we love you today. We praise you and thank you for this lesson, this opportunity to hear from your spirit today. We love you and we, we thank you for this pastor and his wife. We pray that you would minister mightily in the remainder of this service. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. See you in 10 minutes.